tell him because um, we don't want him to have a heart attack when he finds out he won a million dollars from the shock. And uh, so the minister got there and he said to old Josh, uh, did you think you would ever win the lottery? And uh, old Josh said, well, probably not. I don't win things like that, especially. And so the minister wanted to go easy, so he said to him, I suppose, uh, Josh, you won a million dollars. What would you do with it? And Josh said, I would give half of it to the church. And the pastor dropped over with a heart attack. (laughs) Malachi chapter 3 is a very interesting Old Testament passage which deals with the subject of giving to the Lord. And we use the title for the message this morning, When You Give, You Are Blessed. And i like to mention this as we start. Um, we don't give to the Lord in order to get blessing from Him. However... We don't give in order to get blessing. The interesting thing is the Lord says, if you give, you will be blessed. Okay? Um, it's, it's very interesting how the Lord says it. 3.10 of Malachi, he says, Bring the tithe into the storehouse. Try me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. So it is true. It is true. We don't give to God in order to receive. But the interesting thing is that God says when we do give to him, we do receive. I just think that's beautiful. This is how God is. He's a giving God. And I know you know the verse so well. For God so loved the world, he gave us his son to give his life for us. So that's why I put the title for the message this morning, When You Give, You Are Blessed, because that comes out of giving to the Lord. Now also, when we look through the word of God, we see that in the New Testament, there's much discussion on giving to the Lord. And uh, the subject is well discussed in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And they're the key passages in the New Testament. Remember we said when we think of subjects that we would like to kind of get a handle on from the Word of God, the Bible, uh, the interesting thing is that there are key chapters in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are key chapters with regards to giving to the Lord. And uh, it's interesting that in 2 Corinthians, you need not turn there, we'll be here in a while, uh, chapter 8, verse 7, it says, You excel in many things, the Lord says to the Corinthian believers, but I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. In other words, giving shows, when you give to the Lord, it shows that God's working in your life. He's pouring His grace into your life. And in turn, you are giving back to him. And that's why it is called, New Testament giving giving is called grace giving. Now also, as we're approaching this subject, we need to remember that our financial giving to the Lord comes under the greater subject of the subject of stewardship. That's a good term, stewardship. A steward is someone who manages the resources of another to accomplish the goals of the owner. 
And so we're going to carry now along this idea, and we're going to catch it very clearly in the Word of God, that we are stewards of all that gives to us. So if we're going to think of the subject of stewardship, there are basically three truths. There's more than that, but there's three basic truths with regards to stewardship in Scripture. And the first one's very interesting, and it says this, God owns all your money. It's his. And sometimes some of the men who come and pray, uh, they'll pray before the offering is given. And they'll say, Lord, we know that all belongs to you. Key verse in the Bible is uh, Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, King James text says, and the fullness thereof and the world and those that dwell therein. So, um, you know, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to remind myself what a privilege it is to give to our Lord. And um, it's his money anyway. The money that I have is not mine. Uh, it's his. All belongs to him. God owns all your money. Secondly, with regards to stewardship, God enables you to earn all your money. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand this concept. There's a lot of people, especially if they do not know the Lord as Savior, who might have that concept in mind that... Um, a person be a self-made man or a self-made woman. I have what I have because of what I do. There's a sense in which, yes, there is the doing, there is the working, but who is it that gives us the ability to work? It's the Lord, clearly spelled out in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to make wealth. So if, if you have the ability to get up in the morning... And go to your job. Guess who gives you that ability? The Lord. Yes, the Lord. He does. The strength that we have ultimately comes from the Lord. Um, thirdly, so number one, God owns all your money. Number two, God enables you to earn all your money. And number three, as God's steward, you have the responsibility to manage God's money to accomplish his purposes. In other words, again, I'm going to remind myself, Whatever amount of money I have, it already belongs to the Lord. And the Lord really does want me to be careful of how I handle it. You know, if I would stop here, if I would just stop here in the message, I'd say, you know, Lord, please help me to... Uh, the monies that come into us as a family, Lord, help me to use them well. Help me not to use your money in a way that would not honor and glorify you. And again, that takes discernment from the Lord. Third point, as God's steward, you have the responsibility, I have the responsibility to manage God's money to accomplish his purposes. And so when you think in terms of stewardship, the owner has rights, but as we as stewards, we have responsibilities. In fact, as believers, you know, uh, I'm slowing down here. As believers, every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Wow. Saying a lot, isn't it? Every spending decision, because it's not my money, it's God's money. And Lord, uh, I think we're going to all agree together. Lord, we, we really do want wisdom uh, to spend our monies properly. Give us wisdom in this. And you may say, you know, I don't know if I prayed that much about it before, but I know I'm praying more about it even by going into the Word of God this week. The primary requirement, by the way, for a steward 
we who are responsible for God's money and for the things that God has given to us is faithfulness. Moreover, is required in stewards, 1 Corinthians 4.2, that a man be found faithful. And, you know, there's, there's something we can pick up from this right away. Lord, uh, you have blessed me with possessions. You have blessed me with finances. And, Lord, help me to be faithful to you with those things that you have given to me. So giving to the Lord comes under that larger category of stewardship. Now let me mention this, and I I think you'll catch on to this as we move through it. But there are three individuals who are interested in the subject of stewardship or the handling of our finances. There are three individuals that are interested in this subject of finances. The first one, of course, is God himself. That Malachi passage, which was read for us this morning, tells us that God is interested in this subject, very much so. In fact, let me state this before we look at 3.7. God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. Now, he does want us to give, but God is not begging for money. And let me say this, too. This is the first time in over a year that I think I've handled the subject of giving right here at LBC. And we, I would say 51 out of 52 weeks of the year, we say nothing about the offering. Do we? Before, it's some people pray. But we don't say, oh, you know, we, uh, we need money for this. We, need we don't do that. What we do, we have prayer meeting on Sunday nights. And if we find out there's a financial need, we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, we're running a little bit short. Lord, would you be pleased to send in the finances that are needed? But God really wants to have a close relationship with each of us. He wants you and he wants me to draw near to him. And you say, where do you find that in this passage? Well, if you're still looking at Malachi chapter 3, you'll notice he says in the middle of verse 7, notice, watch this now, return to me and I will return to you. To see the people of Israel, in fact, this whole generation, wow, when God can say to them, you are robbing me, whoa. That was a heavy-duty statement to make. I remember that statement also in another passage in the Old Testament. The the exact passage uh, eludes me right now. But the Lord said, I looked for an intercessor. I looked for someone to stand in the gap, to be on the wall, praying for my people. And and it's a sad verse. He says, I couldn't find any. Now, I, I've, I looked at that passage and I'm saying, surely there must have been someone in Israel at that time who was praying for their country. God said, no, I couldn't find any intercessors. And that's why, you know, as believers, we need to be those who pray, those who bring the needs of our church before the Lord. Uh, we're intercessors. Uh, as parents, we pray for our families. God's looking for intercessors. He's looking for those who will stand in the gap. What gap? The gap between what's happening here and what God can do. Very important. And, and we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I praying for my wife during the week? Am I praying for my husband? Am I praying for my children? Those who will stand in the gap? God wants us to be doing that. Well, see, the point in this passage right here where he does talk about their finances He's talking about the fact that he wants them. He says, return to me. You, you've wandered. It's so easy. 
I, I mean, we've got to be careful. You say, well, you're a pastor. You're not going to wander away from the Lord. Hey, I could. I need your prayer support. I really do. Um, whew, how many times through the years have we heard of pastors who dropped the ball? And, and somebody sent me something not too long ago, missionaries who they lost their vision. They came home from the field. Wow. It's easy to wander away from the Lord. And so we need to pray for one another, support one another, encourage one another. God wants a close relationship with each of us. And he wants to bless us and supply our needs. It's interesting. There's some facts here real quick. Of the parables in the Gospels, 16 out of 28 of them deal with the subject of stewardship. How as believers we handle our monies. There's 500 verses on faith. There's 500 verses on prayer. But there are 2,000 verses on stewardship. You say, did God talk about money? You better believe he did. In fact, I was reading this week. I found a book uh, by the pastor down in uh, South Lake. I forget the name of the church. His name is um, Robert. Anybody know it? Morris. Wrote a book called The Blessed Life. I started reading that. And he said, boy, did God ever get a hold of me when I'm starting to study the subject of giving? And he said, God got a hold of me, the pastor. And he said, God wanted me to change what I was doing. Uh, to please and to honor him. And he wasn't getting negative. He doesn't get negative in the book. His point is God had to speak to his heart. So the first one who's interested in this subject of finances and stewardship is God. Second one is Satan. Satan's really interested in this subject. He really is. Because Satan wants to see you as a believer defeated. He can't have your soul, but he would sure like to mess up your life. He would sure like you to wander away from the Lord. So the Lord has to say to you, return to me. You're getting too busy out there. You're, you're, not, you're not spending time in fellowship with me. Return to me. Well, Satan wants you to wandering away from the Lord. Now, this is a heavy-duty thing. I'm just going to mention it for a minute. Satan wants Christians to be in financial bondage so that they're not able to support the Lord's work. So they're not able to help others in time of need. And that you can go on the Internet. I, somebody mentioned this a while ago. I jotted a few of these down. How do you know if you're in financial bondage? Well, here's some of the signs. Do you charge daily expenditures? Do you put off paying a bill when it is due? Do you borrow money for fixed expenses? Are you unaware of how much you really owe? Do people call you for past due bills? Do you borrow money to pay off bills? Do you have difficulty in giving anything to the Lord? That's financial bondage. Boy, they're tough questions. You can go on the Internet. You can see these things. And, of course, Satan, see, he's interested in this subject. He doesn't want to, He wants us to come to church and say, well, I've heard everything about, I've heard everything about giving. You know, I, I got it all ironed out, and I don't need to be taught anything. Pastor's preaching to the choir. We don't have a choir. We have a praise team. <laughs> Let 
The Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 12 told the story of a certain rich man who said, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Wow, is that a philosophy today. But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you, you have provided? Then Jesus said, and this is the powerful verse, so is he who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich towards God. Wow. Lays up money for himself, but doesn't give things to the Lord for his work. Got to be so careful. We really do. What made this man foolish? Well, he, he took God out of the picture. I mean, he was getting a savings account going, and he was saving for this, and he was going to get this. But what about giving to his God? He didn't do it. He failed to realize that his life was ultimately in God's hand, and he never planned for eternity future. The third person interested in the subject is us. You are interested in the subject of giving. Why? Well, because we need money to live on. Most of us would be saying right now in our thoughts, you know, yes, God has blessed me. But, but I do have need. Uh, there, there are things that I do need. And uh, yet the Lord said, return to me and I will return to you. And um, <laughs> it's easy to say, well, you know, I'm not going to be thinking about my finances. God says, no, I, I'm interested in you, but be careful because will a man rob God? Wow, it's a heavy-duty subject, it really is. It's very heavy-duty. We are interested in it. But we need to keep in mind, once again, all the way at the top, remember verse 7 precedes all that's down in the rest of this passage. The Lord says to his people, I'm interested in you. I want you. And, of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, we read of the Macedonian believers. Remember I said there was two key past chapters in the New Testament on giving. If you want to read them on your own. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it talks about the Macedonian believers who first gave themselves to the Lord and then to the apostles by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They said, you know, Lord, you gave me salvation. You've forgiven all my sins. You have. And, Lord, we just want to give ourselves back to you. And, Lord, however you want to use me, whatever things you want me to do for you and for your glory, I'm willing to do it. That's what the Macedonians were saying. And, by the way, they were very poor. The passage is very clear. They were in poverty, and they still gave to the Lord. Please don't miss this truth. I am saying, and, and I learned this, my parents taught me this. pastor of my home church taught me this. No matter how tight your finances are, you should give to your Lord. Our parents, and I still can remember, we would earn money, and Mom and Dad would talk it over with us. I'd mow lawns. How much did you earn? I earned $5. How much are you going to give to the Lord? And we'd think it through. And then what we would do, we would do is as children... We would set our money on the dining room table. And then when Sunday came along, 
we would see the money there and we would take it and we would give it in Sunday school. Sometimes we split it. We'd give it in Sunday school. and give it. I can still see it sitting on the dining room table. In fact, before I earned any money, my mom and dad would give us an allowance. And, and, and they would say, you know, here it is. And sometimes there were four quarters. And, uh, well, how are you go- what are you going to do with it? And so um, I'll tell you what I did. It's confession time. I'd take three quarters and I'd leave one there for Sunday school. But here's my point, though. Part of it belongs to All of it belonged to God, didn't it? But we were taught when we were young to give to the Lord. And parents, you can teach your children. And one of the great signs that you have, remember again, verse 7 precedes this passage. Return to the Lord is the fact that you're willing to give to him not only our finances, but time and uh, energy and effort. God is pleased when we're willing to give ourselves to the Lord like the Macedonian believers did. I'm going to use this please thing for a couple minutes. God is pleased when you give generously. Now we'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll go from Malachi to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here we go. We just want to glance at it. We're not taking a, a long, hard study in it, but we are going to look at it. We are pleased, God rather is pleased when we give generously. All right, watch 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse 1. Apostle says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Remember we said New Testament giving? Grace giving. Old Testament giving, they use the terminology of the tithe. Now, I'll come to that in just a minute. The term, the tithe, or the tithes and offerings was Old Testament terminology. New Testament terminology is grace giving. Okay? So uh, you'll notice he says, uh, I want you, uh, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Watch this now. In great trial of affliction, they've got trials. Listen, if God's brought you through uh, trials, you're you're probably a person who give a testimony and say, the Lord really helped me. There were times when we were down to nothing financially. I prayed with people like that. And they said, you know, we, we, we don't have another penny. And that can happen. But the, the Macedonian believers, they were really poor. In, the, in the great trial of affliction, the abundance, verse 2, of their, notice it says in the King James text, deep poverty, but abounded into the riches of their liberality. They're still very liberal in their giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability... They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. In other words, the apostles were collecting money to give to the saints in Jerusalem who were really persecuted for their faith. And so the Macedonian believers, they said, look, please, we still have some money left. Please give it to these people who are just plain out of food. They can't have jobs there. Uh, They're being persecuted for their faith. We want to give. Please take this to them. So we would say God is pleased when you give generously to him out of the riches of their liberality. Okay? Another one. 
God is pleased when we give eagerly 8-4, begging us, imploring us, some translations say, with much entreaty for the favor of participating in the support of the saints. God is pleased. God is pleased when you give yourself to him. We already talked about First, they gave themselves to the Lord. God is pleased when you accept your personal responsibility to give. Whoa. Go back to 1 Corinthians, and this is really neat. You will like it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, um, let me say this. Is God pleased when we give? The answer is obviously yes. You'll notice on that study sheet that I gave you, I ask a question in the bottom of it to get you thinking. Why did the Lord ask the people of Israel to give the first fruits of their increase to the Lord? Okay? Why did he ask them to give the first? I, I, I know the answer. You be thinking about it. Read with me, watch carefully, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Now, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. All the Bible's inspired, right? We believe in verbal, plenary inspiration of Scripture. Verbal means all the words of Scripture. Plenary means all of Scripture. In the original text, of course, the text is clear here. And what's the point? The point is this. God is pleased when we accept our personal responsibility to give. Now watch it, 16.2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you. Now look. Please, please don't say, well, the pastor was leaning on me this morning. I'm not leaning. I'm kind of holding on up here. You're not laughing at that. <laughs> the point is, all of us can give. Husband and wives do give together. Most husband and wives discuss. Once in a while, one says, you know, hey, uh, there's a special need. But... Each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper. So each of us do have a responsibility to give to the Lord. Now, let me get back to this first day of the week. Read the book by Robert in South Lake. He's very big on the first. He said, God asked us to give on the first day of the week. He says, in the Old Testament, God wanted the firstborn to be sanctified and set apart unto him. A lot of firsts in the Word of God, a whole lot. Think it through. You say, well, where do you stand on that, Pastor? Where, where are you heading on this? Well, obviously, God is pleased when we give to him. And if you give through some other means, through a credit card or something during the week, it doesn't mean that God's going to say, oh, they didn't bring it on Sunday. Okay? But the point is, with the New Testament church, when they gathered for worship, the giving of the offering was an act of worship. 
And they were giving something that ultimately belonged to God, but they gave something to the Lord as an act. That was part of the worship, not just their singing, not just their praying. Okay? The other thing is, God is pleased when you God is pleased when you plan your giving. You'll notice he says in sixteen two that you lay something aside. The idea is I plan before I come to church to give something to the Lord. Many times we write a check. Sometimes we're planning on when the check's in and something else. But we do agree, my wife and I, in our giving to the Lord. So God is pleased when you plan. So you may say, well, you know, next Sunday, I I heard the message. (laughs) I got the message. Uh, God wants me to plan ahead what I can give to him. That's what he wants us to do. And by the way, you'll notice the phrases there, as he may prosper. In other words, many people, uh, as you get older in life, you're going to find that uh, you're going to be able to perhaps get a better job and to work more, and God's going to give you more financially. And so Paul was saying the same to the uh, Corinthian believers. He was saying, if God continues to bless you and prosper you, out of how God blesses and prospers you, plan to give to him. Very clear, clear in the text. God blesses you. And you are able, again, to perhaps give more to the Lord because God has blessed you with an increase. And that's what he's saying here in the text. And obviously, again, there is eternal reward for giving to the Lord. You remember the words of Jesus who said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't lay up for yourselves only things on earth because what can happen? Well, they can rust and moths come along. Well, we never had moths in our house that I can remember. <laughs> I've talked to people who said, yeah, I got it. We got to put the mothballs. <laughs> you heard of mothballs. Okay, we've never had it in our house. But some people do, you know. And, and the point is, things can happen to our earthly possessions. Quickly. People ask the question, should we who live in the church age give less to the Lord than God's people gave in the Old Testament economy? Should we give less? Well, what did the Lord ask the people to do in the Old Testament? There were actually, if, you'll, if you have the Ryrie Study Bible, you'll see that he mentions there are three tithes mentioned in the Old Testament. But most people think in terms of the first tithe, and the word tithe means tenth. And it's interesting that people, even before the law was given, when God asked for the tenth, and then the tenth for the tabernacle, and the tenth for the poor, he asked for a tenth. And you say, well, where do you find that? Well, you find that because it says in Genesis 14 that Abraham, before the law, gave tithes to Melchizedek. Remember that? He paid tithes to Melchizedek. He gave a tenth. Well, where in the world did he learn that from? Why didn't he give him 5%? Why did he give him 10%? Because the Lord apparently spoke to him. That's the proper answer, I believe. Jacob, and when he was on his way uh, for a quite an encounter with the leading of the Lord. He said, Lord, if you will continue to bless me, I will give a tenth of what I have to you. So in the Old Testament economy, many people thought, first of all, about a tenth, okay? And now you might say, well, the pastor's now trying to get us under the law. 
And the answer to that is no, he's not. I'm simply saying that in the Old Testament, believers in their giving to the Lord started with a tenth. In fact, when you read church history, you find out that the early church, the early Christians, used the Old Testament tithe as a guide. Okay, So please don't go home and say, hey, pastor said we ought to give a tenth. No. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as you purpose in your heart, give to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So please don't miss this. It's between you and the Lord. And uh, others don't need to know what you give. And thank the Lord as a pastor, I have never had anybody share with me ever in the three churches we've been in, never has anyone ever shared with me, well, this believer gives this, have no idea. And that's the way it should be, should it not? Yes. So the principles are on that study sheet that you haven't mentioned quickly, and we'll close in prayer. Number one, when, uh, when you give generously, you will reap generously. And that's an important truth. That's a very important truth. And the generously is not necessarily if you give money to the Lord, he's going to just pour money into your life. There's people who teach this. You've probably heard it on the radio. If you give God a hundred, he'll give you a thousand. It's not true. It's not going to work that way. The blessing that you get from giving generously to the Lord may be spiritual blessing. It may be peace of mind. It may be the ability to see what God wants, more clarity and discernment in your life because, yes, you are giving to your God and you're giving to the work of the ministry. Uh, number one, when you sow generously, you will reap generously. Number two, when you are, uh, when, pardon me, when, you, when we are to give according to what God has purpose in, what we have purpose in our hearts. In other words, we plan to give. Decide in your own. It's between you and the Lord. Thirdly, we are not to give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You heard about the little girl. She was going to church and she had um, two coins. Let's say they were quarters. I'm not sure what it was. I read about it. And uh, she's on her way to church and uh, she dropped one. It went down into the drain. She couldn't get it. She said, oh, my goodness, God's coin dropped. We're not to give reluctantly or because somebody pressures us. We're to say, Lord, you have blessed me. (laughs) I can't tell you, Lord, how much you have blessed my life. I want to give generously to you. God loves a cheerful giver. You've heard that a thousand times. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Number 5, we are to give sacrificially. And let me just say here very carefully, I am not going to be one who says, I know what sacrificial giving is all about. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Sacrificing for the Lord? Whoa. And if he asks us to sacrifice something for him, how about time? How about your time? If the Lord asks you to do something, you know, you could have done something else, but you serve the Lord here. Oh, God's going to bless your life. He will bless you if you sacrifice your time for him, let alone finances. Giving sacrificially, well, that's the Macedonian believers because you remember the text said in Second Corinthians chapter 8, out of their deep poverty, they gave to the Lord. And that's kind of like the, lastly, 
That's kind of like the widow that Jesus saw in the temple. And the disciples were there. And he wanted to teach his disciples. And he said, look at that widow right there. This really happened. This is an actual occurrence. And she dropped in two copper coins. And Jesus said, she gave more than all these other people coming and making a lot of noise, dropping all their coins in there. She gave more because she gave out of her poverty to her Lord. And did the Lord take care of her after that? What do you think? He sure did. The text doesn't say, I'm going to tell you what it doesn't say. text doesn't say, she gave her last two coins to the Lord and she died the next day. doesn't say that. She gave her two to the Lord and Jesus watched it and he noticed it and he blessed her. And he used it as a teaching time for his disciples. It's a great subject, it really is. And God does want us to be careful. And he doesn't want us judging others. But he does want us to remember that blessing does come into our lives. We don't give to get. But Jesus said it. In fact, the Holy Spirit had it recorded both Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament, Luke chapter 6, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, good measure, overflowing, (laughs) overflowing. And I always picture someone who has some crops or they pick something out of their garden and it's just overflowing. You know, they have so much. They have an abundance. Why? Because they were willing to say, Lord, I want to give you because you have given so much to me. Let's close in prayer.